Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Recoil Live presented by FN. I'm your host, Tom Marshall, and with me today is Tiberius Giblin, who works sales and marketing at Roscoe Barrels. How are you this morning? I am doing excellent. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. So before we dive too deep into, uh, into barrels and everything that surrounds barrels, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the firearms industry. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, married, two kids, two guinea pigs, two dogs, seven chickens. And uh, you know, we, are, we live in Rhode Island. Um, proud Christian, love going to the range, big shooter. Uh, I'm a Z-list YouTuber, which is uh, something, something new I've been doing for a couple of years. Um, and that's about the most exciting part, parts of my life. Um, I got into the firearms industry, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, the first time I went shooting, I went home and told my wife, um, I loved it. I absolutely was, it was love it. First time I shot it, love it first shot. And I told my wife, I'm going to do this for a career. And she, I think she just kind of smiled and laughed at me and said, sure, honey. Okay. You're going to shoot for a career. And I didn't know how, but I just started getting involved in all the local gun groups and FFLs and competitions and just try to get involved as, as much involved as I possibly could. I figured if everybody knew who I was, when there was some sort of an opening, at least I had had my foot in the door already. And that's what happened. There was another company in the firearms industry who was also located in Rhode Island. When they had an opening, the uh, vice president of that company knew who I was, thought I'd be a good fit. I've been in sales and management for over 20 years. And, uh, and that's how I kind of lucked into the firearms industry through uh, just getting super, super involved with everything uh, locally on the, in the firearms community. First off, I have to say, I did not realize there was enough room for all of those animals on Rhode Island. Uh, but but uh, th that's awesome, man. You, you set your sights on something and, and, and here you are. Uh, so from there, how did you uh, how did you wind up here at Roscoe? Um, so it, it was funny. I, I was when I decided to leave the previous company I worked for, I was on the phone with a friend who, who my my mentor. And I'm talking to him and he convinced me that it's time to look for a new job. So I said, fine. And I pulled up LinkedIn or whatever the, the, the search engine I was using. I pulled up and the first opening was Roscoe Sales and Marketing. So I took that as kind of a, a, a sign from above or someone directing me that way. Because one, there's not much gun-related, firearms-related industry left in Rhode Island. Two... Um, I actually have an English bulldog. Uh, his name is Roscoe. I got him before I started working at Roscoe. I adopted him three or four years ago. So I have a bulldog. His name is Roscoe. I decided to leave the company I work for. And the first job opening at the top of the page is sales and marketing at Roscoe. So I was like, I got the message, whoever was trying to tell me. So I knew the owner of Roscoe already. So I called him, we chatted and here I am. That is, uh, that is serendipitous to say the least. Oh, uh, all right. Well, you know, Roscoe is, is one of those companies, man, I love your guys' story. Uh, it's one of those brands that's been around a lot longer than people realize. Uh, you know, the, the company that is now known as Roscoe Barrels has been around forever and ever. 
Uh, although the, I would argue the Roscoe banner itself as an independent brand is, is relatively recent. Uh, so how long has Roscoe been around in the OEM market versus when you guys started realizing that you were making all these pie and barrels for everybody else? Why not just make them for yourself? So probably twice as long. We've been making barrels for other folks for at least 15 years um, under the Roscoe brand, probably seven or eight years. And I make the joke when I meet OEMs uh, all the time that we created the Roscoe brand just to make it easier to make barrels for other people. Because when you, when I go up to a, a, an OEM company and I say, Hey, you know, I'm, uh, my name is Tiberius. I work for Roscoe. Most people in the industry know who Roscoe is. And that's a very easy conversation to have where if I went in and I said, Hey, I'm from this company that you never heard of. That's a much, uh, a much more difficult conversation to have. So um, yeah, OEM is, even though the Roscoe line is great, OEM is still uh, our bread and butter, the majority of our business. So what, from a manufacturing standpoint, if anything, um, what separates your OEM barrels from your Roscoe barrels, or is it, is it the same, that same product that goes out the door, just one's got a label and one doesn't? So it depends. Some of the barrels we make are just private label. We do private label our uh, bloodline purebred barrels for other companies. We, we do tons of that. But at the same time, we do more um, custom barrel work for folks. A lot of the companies, especially larger companies, they'll have their specific material or tolerances or length or profiles, whatever. There's so many different things where I think most of the stuff is custom work um, for larger OEMs, uh, but at the same time, a good amount of, of private label. So it, I think it's a balance of both, I would say. Makes sense. So it's <clears throat> the OEM stuff, I guess, yeah, if you have clients that have their own specifications for length or twist or port diameter or all that, you know, that would certainly separate it from a bloodline or a purebred barrel. So, yeah, it seems to be the larger companies. The large companies have the resources to uh, do that research and come up with those very specific features they want on their blueprints where the smaller companies, and they also have the ability to order a larger quantity, which is needed for custom work, where smaller companies, um, the private label just, it works better for them, especially because the way we store barrels now, we store uh, hundreds of every barrel on the shelf before engraving. So if if uh, I need barrels for the Roscoe line or a private label company needs barrels, we're, they're already made, they're already nitrate. I just take them down, I engrave them, and I ship them out within a week or two instead of, you know, two or three months for me to run them on the machines. So that's a good program. That's awesome. And that, that allows you guys to, I would imagine, to service a, a pretty wide array of other, you know, manufacturers of varying sizes. Like I said, I know you guys have got some clients that are, real 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 big companies and then i'm sure you've got a whole bunch of little kind of boutique builders out there too that are doing private label stuff with you so yeah, okay exactly uh, so i'm gonna i'm gonna put you i'm gonna put you in a corner here a little bit what uh what makes <laughs> roscoe's barrels superior i'm gonna say the first thing i think of is our motto of affordable accuracy um we have a very high quality quality barrel in the States with U.S. steel, 
but you're not spending five, six, a thousand dollars on a barrel. So, and we're one of the few who make barrels in the price range. We still give a sub MOA guarantee. A lot of companies do not give that sub uh, one MOA guarantee like we do for an affordable barrel. So um, we spend a lot of our time, money, R&D on machining and engineering and equipment. We spend more money on that than we do marketing uh, by far. I mean, not even close. Uh, we want the product to speak for itself and have the quality product there at all times um, more than spending money on, you know, running an ad or doing a video or paying an influencer or whatever. And whatever the people are most spending their, their majority of their money on marketing on, we would rather have the quality product. So we spend a ton of time on the engineering and machining and training. Uh, we have a lot of, I think this is one of the reasons we're still in Rhode Island. We have a, a lot of really good machinists and engineers with a ton of experience where if we were to move to a state that's more gun friendly, a lot of them are not going to come with us in that source, all the experience and knowledge we have, we would lose all of that. And, and that goes a long way um, to, to producing consistent, high quality barrels. Oh, I think I lost you. Yeah. Nope, I muted myself. That's what happened. <laughs> okay. So one of the other things that I have always thought was, was I'm going to say unique, uh, certainly uncommon when it comes to Roscoe barrels uh, is, is that you guys really do everything, like everything in house. And if I had a nickel for every AR manufacturer <laughs> that said, Oh yeah, no, these are our barrels, quote unquote. Um, you know, and when I remember when I first got approached by Roscoe to kind of, to, to hear your guys' story and, and, and hopefully do some work with you guys, uh, they, they gave me the same pitch. Oh, we do everything in house. And by that point, I, yeah, okay. Like, I'm sure. Sure you do. Yeah. Let's, let's get you back to bed, grandma. Um. But, but, but Mike probably had the, the best answer, which was, hey, man, like, we'll put you on a plane and, and you can come see for yourself. And uh, sure enough, you know, I, I still remember the first time I went to the shop and, you know, once one end of the shop is a loading dock full of pallets and pallets and pallets of raw bar stock. And then the other end of the warehouse is finished barrels. And uh yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. I, I forget who I was with, but they, you know, they pointed to one of the pallets and they said, here, pick one. And I grabbed a piece of bar stock and, and you guys took me through every single station you've got on that floor and absolutely everything, you know, including how you guys got your own heat treating ovens and everything. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's all done under one roof. Yeah. I, I think not just the firearms industry is like that though, where people say, you know, these are our barrels, like toothpaste. All toothpaste is made in the same factory somewhere. It's just their flavor and their, you know, whatever ingredients they want put in there. And that's that's kind of the way the world is now. Um, even a lot of companies will buy barrel blanks 
and turn down and profile the, bar the barrel blank. We see a lot of that in the industry. But by far, like you said, most people are buying completed barrels. or they're buying barrels that are already machined and they just don't have some sort of finish on them. Where you're absolutely right. Uh, if you look out my window right here, there is pallets of bar stock. And we have a lot of it right now with the, um, it became so difficult and it's still difficult to get steel. So the owner made a huge investment and we sit very heavy on inventory because steel is very hard to get and we don't want to run out. But we take that steel, we cut it down, we make our own barrel blanks, we rifle them in-house, ream them, button, button rifle them in-house. After that, like you said, they go through a, a heat treat process um, to strengthen them back up. The button rifling can weaken that steel a little bit. Uh, after that, we have other cells that will profile the barrels, that will chamber the barrels, do all the finishing work on them, get them ready to go. And then throughout that process, uh, they visit our quality station. The quality center is in the middle of our factory. And throughout the process, they, they visit the quality center. Then at the end, they get checked by quality. And then from there, they get you know either sent out to, to get nitrated or FOSS and chrome or whatever the, wherever that barrel is going, it from there gets shipped out. So everything's in house. And um, can I tell you about our new pistol barrel cell? I don't know if. I, I was actually just about to bring up pistol barrels. I was going to ask if that process is any different for the pistol barrels than it is for the rifle. So on that note, please take it away. Yes. So we do make, you know, we're, I would say we're crawling along with pistol barrels right now. We make uh, Glock 19, 17, and 43 barrels, both threaded and unthreaded. And we did this on one of our normal machines. It's a good machine. It's a high quality barrel. There's nothing wrong with it. But we made a significant investment in the pistol barrel side of things. It is, I wish I had my engineer manager up here because he's big into robots and he would geek out on this and talk to you about it for an hour, but it's a self-fed robotic machine and it's extremely fancy and uh, pretty much load in a bunch of bar stock on one end. The machine takes the bar stock, cuts it, and this one machine with robots does everything. So it takes the barrel, cuts it, does all the outside work, profiles it, the robot pits it up, puts it into a, another machine where that machine broaches it. Everything is done by one machine and by robots. So it allows us to be um, very, very quick, very, very high quality. And the other thing I love about the machine it has a, a CMM program built into it. So it's a, it's a program that checks the quality and the tolerances of the barrels as they come off the machine. So it checks every single barrel and says, ooh, this is a little bit under spec or above spec or getting close to them being out of spec. And it makes the adjustments automatically. So a bar barrel comes off, they check it, they probe it, and they go, ooh, this dimension's a little on the high side. Okay, that now in, in so and uh, the first couple ones we made, my quality manager took them off and he's checking 100% of this barrel. And he gave it back to the engineering manager and said, there's something wrong with the program because these barrels are identical. And they couldn't figure out every single dimension was identical because the new machine was that precise. It was spitting out barrels and every single dimension was the same. Where usually you have a little bit of wiggle room in there and, and long as it's within tolerance. But uh, the new machine is, it's incredible to see and to watch and, and how quickly and efficiently it spits out pistol barrels. 
where did you guys fit that massive robot on your <laughs> on your floor? Because, like I said, I mean, I've been there now a couple times, but uh, yeah, I feel like there. I don't remember there being a whole ton of room for you guys to just stick, you know, Skynet robots to make barrels in the corner. Yeah, we're waiting for those robots to sneak upstairs and try to kill us. We 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 stay uh, armed at all times in case those robots get any ill intentions. Well, you guys make gun barrels, so I mean that's convenient. Yes, yes. No, the uh, it, it's it was a tight squeeze because it's not a small machine. It's you have the. The, the, the feeder for the boss stock, you have the actual machine, then you have the brooch. I mean, it's, it's a very, very big machine. So not only did it take some creative maneuvering, um, it also required us to dig up the floor and reinforce the floor. This machine is so big and the, it is so, uh, such a wide um, uh, angle of movement that the floor had to be reinforced. It needed like, don't quote me on this, but like four feet of concrete or something ridiculous because the machine is so big and, and moving so much. So we, it, it's, been a, it's been a process. Um, since you've been here though, we have made a lot of changes on where machines are. I think if you came and seen everything, the layout is totally different. Uh, there's a lot of new um, engineering managers, new production manager, plant manager, the whole sales and marketing team. So there's been a lot of changes in how to do things more efficiently. And the average, how long it takes to make a barrel on average has been dropped significantly. And the layout of the machines, and I don't know what I can and can't say, but the layout of the machines and how we process and looking to see how we can do things more efficiently. Um, and they've made some incredible, I, I, I just smile and pull the trigger. I'm not one of the technical people, but they've made some incredible um, 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 increases in productivity and quality and just looking at every process and see whether and how you can get better just continue to get better so to tell us i'm talking about processes uh, again you know one of the things i thought was cool going to the factory was uh the, there's that massive heat treat oven that you guys have, which may be in a different spot now. I, I don't know if you, you moved that or not, but I, I remember my first time there seeing that thing. And uh, so tell us, uh, you know, again, I'm understanding, you know, that, that you're not a, a necessarily a product engineer, but, uh, you know, tell us about your heat treating process, you know, what you can and why is heat treating process important for a barrel? I think I lost you a little bit, but I believe the question was talk about heat treating and why it's so important. And uh, so a couple of things. One, I am, like I said, I'm not the engineer. So um, the, the, um, that side of it, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to speak uh, as well as an engineer or a quality person could. But at, through the manufacturing process, as you drill the barrel, um, definitely as you button the rifle, it puts... Uh, stress and, and wear on that material and it weakens that material. So it's very important with button rifling. It's one of the few drawbacks to button rifling. Button rifling is great. It's super affordable. It's very consistent. It makes a high quality barrel that can be very accurate, but it does weaken the material. Um, so after uh, we drill, ream, and rifle the barrels, they go into that oven for that heat treat to make sure that they are, are strong enough to withstand not only the rest of the manufacturing process, but also the tens of thousands of rounds that 
everyone's going to shoot through them um, to make sure they hold up and there's no issues with them, especially um, we do a lot of work, like I mentioned earlier, for other companies. And we do a lot, we make a lot of barrels that end up in um, different U.S. government branches, which I'll just leave at that. But um, we want to make sure those barrels are working not only for the civilian, but also for any government entity that may be using them as well. So they spend, depending on the material, um, the, the different material requires a different temperature and a different amount of time in that oven. But we stick the barrels in there. We run them um, eight to 16 hours, depending on the material. And uh, it's, uh, let them cool. And then they're ready to, like I said, be chambered and profile and have the threads and the, the rest of the barrel uh, made once they are heat treated. I'm I'm glad you mentioned uh, I'm glad you mentioned government entities. Uh, that's that was actually my my next question. So you guys are one of you might know I don't remember two three. It's not a lot. There's only a couple of barrel manufacturers uh, in the country that are DoD slash USG certified uh, to produce barrels for federal duty guns of one stripe or another. Uh, I'll leave it at that. So what kinds of extra steps do you guys have to have in place, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's a particular set of QC protocol? Uh, what do you guys, what do you guys have to do to, to stay on, you know, Uncle Sam's certified list? <laughs> so there's a lot. Anytime you're making a barrel for any form of government, there's from A to Z, there's requirements for everything. Um, there's a couple manufacturers, like firearm manufacturers that make barrels for the government, but just barrel manufacturers, you're right. There's only, there's only a couple that are certified. Uh, and it starts with the material. Their material is very, very specific. You have to use their certain material with certain amounts of every sulfur and this and this and this. They, they're very specific on the material. Um, once you make the barrel in the beginning, there's a very long testing process they do. The amount of rounds, they do lifetime testing. They do bore obstruction testing. I mean, the, the amount of testing they do before the barrel gets approved is crazy. Once you get approved and you can start making barrels for them, the QC process is um, not only more detailed, but more often. Like, for example, we're making... Uh, bloodline barrels, we'll check the first couple barrels off the machine and we'll check them throughout the process. Uh, we'll check them at the end uh, where some of the government contracts require 100% inspection. So every single barrel coming off uh, has to be inspected at different times throughout the process. And they'll also specify how the barrels che uh, check. So it's not just check uh, X, Y, and Z dimension. It's check X, Y, and Z with these tools. Like they want this ear gauging or this whatever they're, they're requiring, um, especially when you start getting, uh, the, the U.S. government is pretty, uh, um, and what they expect is always the same. But when you start getting into international contracts with different companies, they're all very, very different. Their requirements and what they expect and what they want and the rifling, what different countries want is very, is, you know, you never know. It's very, very different. And a lot of those, a lot of those companies also, I noticed, are 10, 20 years behind what we think works best in this country and where we are and what's cool and most effective and most accurate. A lot of those countries are a few years behind us on that. 
So are those in those cases, uh, are those companies uh, or countries, you know, are you guys able to go look, you know, I know this is the way you've done it because it's the way you've always done it. But, you know, we, we found that whatever X, Y, Z works better. Or do they just kind of come in and go, we don't care if it's 20 years old or that we don't care if you're doing it differently. This is what we want. And then you've got to kind of rejigger to, to produce their barrels the way they want them. I always make the suggestion. Um, most government agencies aren't willing and uh, able to make those changes, especially quickly. Like we, everyone makes jokes how slow any government entity works. So I always make those suggestions. Like we had an OEM and I'm not, I would never say their name, but they came to us re recently and said, we want some high end uh, AR-15 barrels that we can really stretch out and shoot far. Our thing is going to be distant, getting the most accurate distant barrel out of an AR-15. I'm like, all right, we can do that. No problem. And their next sentence was, but we want pencil barrels. So I was like, hey, if you're paying, I'll make you whatever you want. But I was like, let me talk about pencil barrels. You know, there's, and I'm not speaking bad about pencil barrels. We make them for lots of people, but the right no, but if you the right job. I was going to say, if, you, if, if your whole drive is to reach out a distance, barrel whip is a thing. And so is thermal cycling, also a thing. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I'm sure that was probably an interesting conversation. Yeah, and, and they're still dead set on doing it. So I'm hoping I can get them to change their mind. I sent them a video. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who made the video. I apologize. It's on YouTube. You can find it. If you type in pencil barrel whip, you'll find it. But someone had a extremely slow motion camera and you see the pencil barrel and you see that whip. It's bouncing, and uh, it was a 16-inch barrel, so it was decently long. But uh, no, the right tool for the right job is is important. But no, usually when a government agency has their mind made up that they want X, Y, and Z, it'd be very tough to get them to change. Very, very yeah, tough. I, I, I don't, I don't think you're saying anything that uh, we didn't already know there for sure. Yeah, so. and even big companies. When we deal with big companies, like. Uh, we're, we're talking to a company about doing some nitrite barrels instead of and chrome. Again, right tool, right job. And getting a big company to change what they do, is it's tough, especially if that company's been around for a long time. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I, can, I can imagine that's a bit of a struggle uh, for, a, for an outfit like you guys. I, I mean, barrels is... It's, that's what you do. I mean, I know you've got some, you've got a couple other products out there, but bar, uh, barrels, I mean, you guys, you guys yeah. are a barrel manufacturer, um, you know, and I, I yeah, I, I know it's sometimes giving that kind of specialized feedback. Some companies are super open to it. Some agencies, departments, whatever, you know, Hey man, we just want the best. We're not hundred percent sure what that is, you know, take us to school. Um, and other people just have a, have a very set way of, of, of doing things um, in terms of the, on the government side. So I know that the, the, the testing and QC protocols and all that are, are more specific, but the, the facility itself, I actually think the last time I was there, you guys had a, a USG rep coming in spot checking. Do they kind of will just drop in to do kind of unannounced spot checks whenever they, they feel like. Yeah, they will check. They'll come in and randomly check the uh, equipment you're using to test. They'll check the machines. 
There's also the quality department has a list of things they have to do with every single shipment. So uh, pretty much proof that you use the material they wanted, proof that you did the QC checks that you said you were going to do, proof that the, all the barrels, especially on key components or key measurements are in spec. And there's lots of paperwork. Whoever we're sending those barrels to, to be finished has to get the paperwork and the company those barrels are going to has to get that paperwork. And there's a long list of, of things that have to be done every single time to, to make sure to, to please the government. Um, a lot of times, uh, actually every single shipment that goes out, somebody comes and verifies that shipment before it leaves the building. We have to, it has to get sourced and approved before it leaves the building every time. On, on every shipment, I knew they spot check, but on uh, so they'll oh. do they'll spot they'll spot check random like when they come and spot check they're making they're looking like an audit they're coming to do an audit but the person comes in and sources the barrels he checks the paperwork he or she checks the paperwork and also will um, check the barrels before they leave as well. Man, that's because when yeah when I, they, when I they guess get I didn't realize destination that they... yeah. Yeah, no, I guess I didn't realize it was every shipment that somebody came by and went down the checklist with you. Yep. That's nuts. All right, so some I've been they waiting get to, to talk. The facility to be put together. The oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. When they get to the facility, go ahead. Yeah, when they get to the final facility and they need to put them together, if if half the barrels are out of spec or something's wrong or this is different or this is that, that kills their whole. Everything needs to be there. It needs to be put together, and they can't. It can't be held up. So, yeah. I, and you, when you put it like that, it makes sense. I guess uh, I just didn't. These things you don't think about, right? Uh, you yep. know, I I click add to cart. I you know swipe my card. <laughs> the barrel shows up. I drop it in the gun. But yeah, you know, for agency, unit, department type guns, I yeah. It's a it's a process for sure. So the one thing I've been waiting to talk about this whole time, the canine project. Mm, yep. So let's start off slow. What is the Roscoe canine line and what makes it different uh, from bloodline and purebred? And, and, and honestly, this might actually be a, a decent point to run down. What is your uh, blood? Uh, what is your bloodline line? What is your purebred line? And then how does canine differentiate itself from both of those? This is going to be a long answer, so I'm going to try to. Um, let me just grab my canine barrel. Hang on. Sorry. That's a, no, that's fine. We got plenty of time, so give uh, us give us the spiel. Okay, so uh, bloodline is our most affordable barrels. They're the hardest working barrels. You know, you can call them. Whatever your truck is, call them the F-150, the Chevy Silverado, the Dodge Ram of, of the pickup world. You know, they're, they're hard-use barrels that will still get you sub-MOA guarantee. Uh, all of them are made from a 4150 steel, which is a very, very good steel, uh, especially if you want something with a long life, a long life before it starts uh, dropping in accuracy. Uh, they are all a standard government profile, which is a very common profile, and they all have a black nitrite finish. So that's kind of... Uh, our bloodline series summed up in 30 seconds, uh, five, five, six, nine millimeter, 300 blackout. Um, then our purebred series is kind of our, our fancy barrels. They're the higher end barrels. If you're trying to squeak out a little bit more accuracy, 
then the purebred has the ability to do it. I say it has the ability because us as shooters have to do our job with the proper ammo and the proper skill uh, to get that accuracy, but the barrels can absolutely do it. So those uh, do not have a black nitrate finish. They are a bead blast finish. They are made from stainless, which is awesome. Stainless is a great, great material, especially if you want to sneak out that little bit of accuracy. Um, right now they are made from a, uh, I'm sorry, they, right now they are a government profile, but, uh, we're working on something a little new that I'll tell you about in a second. I don't think you even know this yet, Tom. Um, I do and not. They are, no, no. That's our next project that we're working on right now. They are, um, five, uh, two, two, three wild and 300 black. Those are the two calibers that the purebred made it. And the K9 series, in my opinion, the K9 is kind of the best of both worlds. I think you take the advantages of the bloodline and the advantages of the purebred in one. This barrel, as you know, the works for two years. I mean, we took our time and we made sure the everything about the barrel was just absolutely perfect. Uh, this started way before I started with Roscoe. There were several gentlemen here. Uh, Gabe, Jacob, and Aaron from Sage Dynamics, and also our um, our design engineer Norm, who still works here as well. They had the idea of improving a twelve and a half inch barrel. How can we get this barrel to be improved, and how can we make it better? And not just make it better for marketing hype, so we can talk about marketing things, but how to actually make it better. So the first thing they noticed is the gas length. Most twelve fives are carbine, and that's okay. It's not bad. It's very reliable, which is great. That's important but it's not the softest shooting gun. Not terrible, but not the softest shooting. Other companies have done a mid-length with the 12.5. Now that's much softer shooting, but not as reliable. Most companies, not most, a lot of companies who do a mid-length 12.5 say you can only, they can only guarantee reliability when you run it suppressed. And we didn't want to do that. We wanted to run both. Or you'll see on a 12.5 mid-length, is like this normal. And uh, they're not the most soft shooting barrel. So we did a custom gas length. It's a little bit longer than carbine. It's a little bit shorter than mid-length. And that is the ideal uh, gas tube length for any barrel that's that 11 and a half to 12 and a half inch barrel. It's just right in between is, is kind of the sweet spot. And anybody who shoots this barrel will tell you it's a very, very soft shooting barrel. It shoots significantly softer. And the, repul the recoil impulse is just, it's a little different. It's not a, it's a it's soft push. It's like a, a, a soft nudge in your shoulder. It's, it's amazing uh, how nice it shoots for a 12 and a half inch barrel. Um, and it's still very, very reliable. You do not need to run it suppressed or unsuppressed. It does not matter. Either one is fine. It's just, uh, it's kind of the sweet spot right in between. Another thing that's different is going to be the profile. It's a continuous taper profile instead of that government profile. And your advantage there, there's a lot of things, but the, the big advantage to me is going to be uh, when all barrels heat up, you will see some sort of point of impact shift. The barrel just gets a little warm, especially when you have a very thin barrel like that pencil barrel we talked about. When those heat up, you definitely have a, a shift on point of impact. The fatter continuous taper here, you don't see that. It takes a lot longer for this barrel to heat up than a thinner government profile. Um, also has improved harmonics as well uh, with a thicker continuous taper profile. Uh, the third thing I want to talk about is the material. It is the stainless steel material. So like I said a little while ago, the stainless has the ability to squeak out a little bit more accuracy as long as us as shooters do our job. 
So you get the accuracy of a 416 stainless, but the durability of the black nitrite. So again, it takes the durability from the bloodline, the accuracy from the purebred, adds in a couple cool features of the custom gath length and the custom uh, profile. And uh, there's a lot of other little things like the, the, the crown is a little different. There's no 90 degree cuts on the barrel in any way. Everything is curved off. There's a lot of little things like that that went into it, but those are the, the main features of this barrel. I, uh, I, I was very fortunate to, to help you guys with some of the, you know, the initial prototyping and, uh, you know, Aaron Cowan and I wound up, that was, I think, actually, I think that was the last time I was up at the factory was when we, we both went up there for, for the canine, uh, kind of the first round of production, the, the pre-production prototypes for the canine. And that was, yeah, man, that was man coming up on two years and some change ago, uh, yep. And it has been excruciating for me to sit on this barrel <laughs> for two years. Or I would, you know, I would take my test gun out to the range with buddies. Oh my God, that this thing runs great. Like, what is it? Well, it's, ah, it's nothing right now. Hang on. Uh, but they, they did actually launch right earlier this year. Yeah, they did. It took a while. One, because we wanted to get the testing down. And two, with COVID, um, we made an, an explosion of gun sales. We made one. 556 five, bloodline barrel and we literally had 30 companies like us slash threatening us for barrels like it got like everybody needed barrels and no one can get them fast enough so we're making one barrel and 30 people want it it definitely slowed down the uh, production uh the release date on these but yes they are out just the 12.5 is out right now uh that is the other the other the other unique thing we did with the canine series is we um, each barrel is attached to an influencer in this industry. So Aaron Cowan from Sage Dynamics, like you mentioned, the 12.5 barrel, this is his barrel, his baby. He had a lot of say on, he actually named the gas system. He called it the patrol one. That was from him. And he had say on, what about this taper? What about, well, let's try this gas port size. And he had a lot of say in the barrel. So every single one of these canine barrels, and we're going to do at least four, um, will be connected to an influencer and uh, have that influencer's name on here. Like, I don't know if you're gonna be able to tell on the camera, but that engraving on the barrel, that is um, the Sage Dynamics logo. So his logo is on there with the Roscoe logo uh, right here on the side of the barrel. So you said you guys are planning four. I know, <laughs> I think I know at least two of the remaining three after the 12.5. Uh, can, you, can you run down what the other, what the other models are gonna be? Yeah, no problem. So I, I'm, I'm teeing up questions for you, huh? Um, the 12.5 is, is Aaron's. The 11.5 is going to be uh, Kinetic Consulting, uh, Mocha Bear, Duffy, John, Dufresne, whatever you want to call him. I call him Cookie Monster because he loves cookies. But um, that the 11.5 is going to be his barrel. Uh, he was testing uh, a bunch of them, myself in the uh, the other gentleman here, Rich, and the, uh, the other salesperson here, we've been running those for the past couple months as well. He just hit 5,000 rounds on a few of those barrels, and he just gave me the okay to start running them. So his is going to be an 11.5-inch version of this, so a little shorter, same patrol-length gas system. And uh, we're going to start running those soon, and they'll probably be available, I'm going to say two months or so. Uh, after the 11.5, we're doing a 13.9, and... Uh, I think the 13.9 might actually be the most popular out of all the canine barrels because we don't do a 13. Really, 
we don't really do a 13.9 right now. We do a 13.7 in the purebred, but we don't do a 13.9 with the black nitrite finish. Now we make 13.9 barrels for plenty of other people, but nothing with the Roscoe logo. And my personal two favorite lengths are 12.5 and 13.9. Those are, those are my favorites. So the 13.9 is connected to Greenline Tactical. Um, for those who don't know Don, look him up. Uh, both Don and John, the, the other gentleman I was just talking about, tons of knowledge. Every time I talk to them, I always pull something with shooting and night vision. I mean, they have a tremendous amount of knowledge. If you get a chance to get out and train with either one of them, you won't be sorry. But the 13.9 is uh, the same profile as this, but it has a mid-length gas system. That patrol length gas system is great on the 11 and a half, 12 and a half. When you get to like a 13.7 or a 13.9 or a 16 inch, the mid-length is is just about perfect. So those are going to have mid-length. Uh, besides that, it will be the same barrel as this, just a little bit longer. The fourth one we're going to do is probably going to be a 16 inch. Uh, we don't have any specifics yet. We don't have uh, an influencer connected to them yet or anyone in the industry connected. There is somebody that we approached recently that it would be amazing if we could make it happen. It's one of the biggest names in the industry, uh, but far from an agreement has been made. So I can't say anything yet, but uh, we'll see who the 16 inch gets connected to. That's awesome. Are they, are they all going to be that continuous taper? Uh, or, or some of these other guys kind of specifying their own barrel profiles. Correct. They're all so the, the 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 characteristics that carry over on all of them. One, the continuous taper on all of them. Two, the stainless with the uh, the stainless, and the third is going to be the black nitrite on stainless. All canine barrels will have that. That's awesome. A, a sixteen inch will be. That'll be. I'll be really interested to see uh, how those turn out. I have had a, I'm with you on the 12.5. Uh, I, I wonder if it isn't sort of the pinnacle uh, barrel length. Uh, I find I get great accuracy at distance. Uh, I know I've run mine. I think my farthest hit with my 12.5 canine was 880. Awesome. Uh, which is, which I, I was happy with. Again, that was kind of a, ammunition optic barrel you know no wind flat terrain uh, you know <laughs> uh everything everything going for me uh you stars know stars aligned for you. yeah stars aligned the, the gravitational pull of the moon was perfectly <laughs> in sync um certainly for me not consistent hopefully somebody out there will buy one and they can they can just smash 900 yard targets all day long with it uh but yeah the 13.9 and the 16 that'll be awesome uh, for folks that don't want to deal with pistol braces or SBRs or uh, anything like that. So that's that's really cool. Uh, and especially, again, the 16-inch, you don't have to worry about pin and weld. So, uh, And you said yeah. that would also be – that was also going to be a mid-length. Is that right? Yeah, that would be a mid-length as well. Um, I love 13.9s because uh, – 13.7, 13.9s because it's the shortest length you can get, like you said, to be considered a rifle still. I don't mind pinning and welding. And the 13.9, actually, the barrels are 13.95. It's not 13.9, 13.95, because several muzzle devices, um, like the Warcomp, for example, on a 13.9, if you're a little, if you don't, if you don't use any shims, you're kind of barely at 16 inches. So we gave just a little bit more, where if you only use one shim or you don't use any shims, there's, it opens up a, a wider variety of muzzle devices, is what I'm trying to say. 
just going 13-9 over 13-7. And uh, yeah, 12-5 is my baby. If you have a look on the Roscoe page, on the Roscoe Instagram page, and people say, you know, what's your favorite barrel length or what do you like between these two? And uh, I always say 12-5 master race. 12-5, that's my answer for everything. I, um, yeah, I prefer 12-5. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's awesome. So, okay, so looking at at, at four canine barrels, uh, you know, I've been I've been talking to you guys for a while, and and what are you guys looking at in terms of calibers? Are you, are you going to stick with that five five six nine mil three hundred blackout, or you know, is there talk canine or or other lines for that matter of branching out into other rifle calibers? Yeah, there's a lot now that the saneness of COVID is over. Um, it's allowed us to get back to uh, R&D and getting out new barrels and new calibers. Um, so we're already making currently 556, 223, 223 wild, nine millimeter, 300 black. Those are the ones we make now. Uh, we make 308 barrels for several companies, nothing under the Roscoe line yet, but we do make it for other companies. Uh, we just got the tooling in for 350 legend. And the reason we did that one first, there was a very big OEM that said, if you make 350 legend barrels, you're in, you can make all of our barrels. So <laughs> I said, uh, I'm not that smart, but I can figure let's get it in. So we just got that tooling in about a week or two ago. Uh, the six millimeter arc is on order as well. Uh, that's still several, several weeks away before the tooling comes in and then we have to start testing. So don't start hitting us up and asking for six millimeter barrels next month. It's gonna be a while. Um, and we have some others on the list, but nothing um, set in stone. There was one more. Uh, and then the six fives. We've talked about the six fives quite a bit. That's something we should be doing, we want to do. Uh, but right now we want to get 308, 350, and six millimeter up and running before we do any other calibers. I was, I was going to ask about Grendel. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do both six fives. There's no reason when we, we're not. There's no reason we shouldn't be. Uh, but we did prioritize the other three calibers before we do the two six five so that's that's going to be the order of everything um you're not going to see six millimeter and uh and the six five both of them will definitely be next year six millimeter maybe 350 legend probably uh 308 probably all that will be this year the rest will definitely be next year uh and then the uh pro, uh the purebred profile i mentioned it a little while ago i definitely excuse me i want to touch on that um, we are in the middle of testing a different profile for the purebred barrels. So now that the canine barrels are out, um, I, in my eyes, I want to give people a, a better or more reason to buy the purebred barrels. The canine barrel is, if I'm going to buy a barrel right now, canine is going to be my first choice or maybe a bloodline if, if I want something more affordable. So we uh, changed or upgraded the profile or in the middle of uh, working a new profile for purebred. It's kind of like a uh, modified SPR profile. So if anyone knows what an SPR is, if not, you can just Google SPR profile. And it's, uh, it's similar to that, but it, we did modify it a little bit to, to meet what we were looking for. And we noticed, so this is what we noticed. When we're shooting uh, a purebred uh, barrel, the first three or four shots are like 0.5 MOA at 100 yards. I mean, it's respectable for a $200 barrel. That's half MOA. We're happy. And then the fourth or the fifth shot, especially if we do this several times when the barrel heats up, we notice it goes like 0.8, M, 
0.8 MOA, 0.9. It's spreading out. It's still under one MOA, which is great for a $200 barrel, but it could be a little bit better. And when we do a beefier profile like that modified SBR, it looks like it's staying much closer to the half MOA. And don't quote me on any of this. We're still testing it. Um, but if you can get a, a, a $200-ish barrel that gives you well something well below one MOA, there's no one close to that. That is that is incredible. So I'm very excited to see how the rest of the testing goes on the uh, SPR profile for the purebred. That's that's awesome, and uh, I I will definitely be definitely be looking forward to that. Uh, you know, you mentioned price points of purebred being two hundred ish for you know a, a, at least your first couple shots of, of essentially a half MOA barrel. Uh, wh what kind of price point are people looking at on the bloodline barrels? And and what are you guys seeing kind of on average for, for accuracy? So the bloodline with the proper ammo, the proper skills, um, you're still going to get sub MOA. You're going to be right around, right around that one MOA. And again, the barrel has the ability to do it, but do you have the proper equipment, ammo, uh, to do it uh, in the environment as well. You know, if you're, if you're out there on a day that's 40 mile an hour wind and shifting back and forth wind, it's not going to help. But anyway, the bloodlines go from low 100s to mid 100s, depending on the length and caliber you get. Uh, the canine is going to be, depending on the length you get, between 160 to 200 ish in that area. Uh, maybe a little more for the 16 inch, the 16 inch will probably be a little more than that. And then the purebreds are right around $200 as well. Uh, the one thing I didn't say with the canine, the 12 and a half and the 11 and a half, again, it has a custom length gas tube. We call it the patrol length. It does come with that gas tube as well. That's something the first thing people ask. The second we say it's anything custom, does it come with the gas tube? Yes, it comes with the gas tube. And we do sell uh, extra gas tubes on our website. I'm very surprised at how many people keep backup gas tubes. It's not something I do and not something I ever thought of, but there's been a lot of people who order a canine and end up ordering a second gas tube so they have it as a backup. So they're available. Are the are the gas tubes nitrated? Correct. Yeah, all of our gas tubes are nitrated as well. So um, helps a little bit with the durability, but I think the way it looks, let's face it, we live in an Instagram world. It's got to look cool. <laughs> some people care about it, but most do. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, some people don't care, but most do. So having that black handguard with the black barrel and the black gas tube and the black gas block, I just think it, it looks sharp when you have a, a silver gas tube sticking way out there and everything else is black. I don't know. Yeah. You don't, don't want to ruin anybody's grams. You know, you get, you get yeah. a reflection of the sun and it messes up your photo and, then your friends make fun of you and say you're not cool. No, it's, and, and yeah, I mean, sometimes particularly for, you know, uh, guys who want a, a specific look, which is certainly getting more popular, you know, black and OD, black and coyote, all that stuff that, you know, if you've got a black gas tube and a black barrel underneath a, you know, one of those tan Geisley hand guards or, a, you know, you get coyote Cerakote or whatever, uh, or FDE at the, it does. It, it looks sharp. And, you know, again, if, if just because it works well, doesn't mean it has to be ugly, you know? So, uh, Absolutely. no, that's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. 
So, all right, well, uh, let's let's shift gears a little. Uh, let's talk about the YouTube channel. So, uh, what what made you <laughs> hop on the hop on the double Z influencer bandwagon? Uh, so, how, how did you get started with that, and and what do you do? I mean, what what kind of stuff does your channel cover? So, um, I started my YouTube channel in two thousand and eight. You know, I started watching some of the OGs out there, Demolition Ranch, Mr. Guns and Gear, Such, uh, 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 FPS Russia. I loved all those guys. And when they started doing it, I'm watching them. I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. And that's, and that's when I really got into guns and I wanted to do it. So my YouTube channel started in 2008. I shared the first video in 2020. It took me, 12, <laughs> yeah, I know. It took me 12 years to get the guts up, to get the courage up, to actually share a video. And in those 12 years, I probably made 20, 30 videos, uploaded them, deleted them, uploaded them, <laughs> deleted them, just because I'm not a videographer, I'm not a photographer. And uh, if, if anybody out there is thinking about doing this, just do it, just start. Because if I started in 2008, your first couple of videos are going to suck. That's just the way it is. Unless you're a professional at this, they're going to be terrible. So just start and you'll get better as you do it. Um, and I've learned so much over the past two years. But if I had the courage to start in 2008, that would be my full-time job now. And that's my end goal. And in, in five years or so, I want that to be my full-time job and working in the gun industry to be my part-time job. Don't get me wrong. I love my job. It's awesome. It's probably the best job in the state of Rhode Island. Uh, actually, it absolutely is the best job in the state of Rhode Island. Um, but that's my dream is to do that full time. So uh, I'll get there eventually. And I'm just paying for starting late because it's a lot easier to grow then than it is than it is now. But anybody who's looking to start, get your audio right. Make sure you have a decent microphone. It doesn't have to be expensive. It can be a $50 microphone. Get your audio right before you do anything. Second, get your lighting correct and uh, just be yourself and listen to people. And, and, and you know, don't be so ego driven when someone makes a suggestion that you don't take it at least consider it and be open-minded. Um, I've been blessed where a lot of really big YouTubers for some reason have given me a lot of advice and I don't have an ego. If someone tells me, hey, consider doing this, I'm going to consider doing it. But uh, Guns and Gadgets has helped me tremendously, tremendously. The Gun Collective, Johnny B, Tactical Consideration, Mr. Guns and Gear, all these people have gone way out of their way to like give me tips and hints and look at my statistics and help me with the layout in my studio. I mean, they've been for somebody who's doing the same thing and I don't want to say competing, but doing the same thing, they've gone out of their way to help me and be kind. And that's the one thing I was pleasantly surprised. I figured the other people who are doing the same thing would more view it as you're my competition and none of them do. Nobody does. They all say there's plenty of room at this table for all of us let's sit down and let me help you. And I'm blown away because again, as a Christian, that kindness, we forget that kindness is out there if you only watch the news, but that kindness is definitely, definitely out there. So um, my channel is all guns and gear related, a lot of reviews, anything I find interesting, like uh, it's mostly gun and gear type stuff, but you know, those adventure meals, like mountain house type meals, MREs, I love those things for some reason. I mean, I have a weird, I don't know, like, and there's, there's a few dozen companies making those now and I had no idea. So I reviewed almost every one of those companies and those videos don't do well on my channel because they're so not really related. 
but I don't care. Anytime I see one of those companies, I get as many of those meals as I can and I eat them and I review them. And I've reviewed probably a dozen of them now. And I have three more on the way that I'm working on. Anything I find interesting, I do a review on. I don't care if it's the cool guy equipment or not. I don't care if it's a new company. Like everybody knows, yeah, Daniel Defense makes a nice rifle. Okay, we all know it. But what about this new company that no one knows about? You know, where do they stack up? So that's my mindset and how I approach it. That's awesome. A little, little bit of everything, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll literally review almost anything as long as it's not like – Again, I'm not going to say a company name and bash anyone. That's not my style. But if, if, if we know those companies out there that just, if something's complete junk and doesn't belong in the gun industry, I'm not going to waste my time on it. It takes a lot of, especially for me, not being a professional at it yet, it takes me a lot of time to, to make a video. And I'm not going to go out of my way to bash a company. I, it's not, that's just not in my nature. Uh, I, tell, I, I tell people, this is, these are the features. This is the testing I've done. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. Whether I like the product or not, your miles may vary, but uh, this is what I like and this is what I don't like. And it's just my opinion. My opinion is no more valid than anyone else's opinion in the world. So that's my approach to it. You'll, you'll never hear me bash the product no matter. Like I reviewed a high point and we all know they're super budget friendly. I didn't bash it. Gave suggestions. If this is all you can afford, okay, rock with it. Make the best of it. Make sure you train with it. Um, if you can afford a little bit more, this is what I recommend, but I'll never bash a product. Well, if it, if it makes you feel any better, we reviewed a high point at one point as well. Uh, it was many moons ago, but I'm sure if anybody out there digs deep enough through the recoil archives, they will find our high point review out there somewhere. Uh, but, but that's awesome, man. Best of luck to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Once again, you're watching recoil live. I'm your host, Tom Marshall. Uh, we are brought to you by FN. I've been with uh, Tiberius Giblin, uh, Sales and Marketing with Roscoe Barrels. And thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you guys next time.